congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ. The account of the conversion of that one criminal on the cross is a well-known account. And it is an emotionally laden account. This is the story of an 11th hour conversion. It's about a criminal, a very unrighteous person, receiving the forgiveness of sins and being told that he will enter into the paradise of God upon death. But is it really a conversion story? Well, brothers and sisters, that's not really what it's all about. It is a beautiful story about a man who has an 11th hour conversion and hears the gospel promise of salvation for those who believe in Jesus Christ, but it's not really about him. It's about Christ. The Lord Jesus was on the cross. He was suffering there as our Redeemer. He was suffering as the person who had come into the world to take our sins upon himself and to lay down his life as a ransom for many. And it's within that context that the Lord Jesus spoke to the criminal on the cross. The words of our Savior and the encounter with that criminal on the cross point out to us the work of Jesus Christ, the great office bearer, our prophet, priest, and king. And that's how we want to look at the text this morning. I preach God's word to you about Jesus Christ speaking words of life to the criminal on the cross. And we'll note that when Christ speaks, he speaks with priestly compassion. Secondly, prophetic certainty. And thirdly, kingly power. Christ speaking words of life to the criminal on the cross. We know three things. Christ speaks with priestly compassion, prophetic certainty, and kingly power. It's striking, brothers and sisters, when you read through Luke chapter 23, how often Luke makes the point in his narrative, being very careful to include these details, that our Lord Jesus Christ was innocent. We find that in the verses 13 through 16, where Pilate called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was misleading the people. And after examining him before you, behold, I did not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither did Herod, for he sent him back to us. Look, nothing deserving death has been done by him. I will therefore punish 
and release him. But the crowd prevailed. And we read in verse 22, a third time he said to them, Why? What evil has he done? I have found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. Later, when our Lord was crucified to the cross, the one criminal argued with the other criminal and said to the other criminal who had been railing against Christ, This man has done nothing wrong. And finally, when the Lord Jesus had given up his spirit and breathed his last, we hear the centurion saying in verse 47, Certainly this man was innocent. Luke is careful to record in his narrative several times the innocence of the Lord Jesus. Though innocent, he was condemned to death. And the reason why Luke is very careful to record that several times is because Luke is telling us that the Lord Jesus was suffering in a priestly capacity. He had done no crime. He was innocent. But he was crucified to the cross that he might take our sins upon himself. And it's in that way, brothers and sisters, that the Lord Jesus spoke those words to that one criminal. It's in that way that the Lord Jesus spoke with priestly compassion. He could speak to that one criminal with priestly compassion because that one criminal came to faith and repentance. The man confessed his sin. We read in the verses 40 and 41 that the one criminal rebuked the other criminal saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our sins. He confessed his sin. And then that one criminal on the cross went on to confess Christ. Because we read in the rest of verse 41 and verse 42 that he said, But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That one criminal stated Christ's innocence, thereby confessing Christ and asking Jesus to remember him when he came into his kingdom, thereby confessing Jesus. He was basically asking for forgiveness. He was asking for salvation. The salvation that he knew that Jesus Christ could provide for him. And then our Savior spoke With priestly compassion, the words of our text. Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Such a simple confession. 
Just a few words. And that one criminal on the cross got to hear words of life spoken to him in priestly compassion by Jesus Christ. That might make us think, brothers and sisters, that if that's all it takes, if that's all it takes to be saved, such a simple confession, then we can skimp on doctrine. Who needs creeds and confessions? Why do we have them anyways? The Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, the Athanasian Creed, the Three Forms of Unity, the Heidelberg Catechism, the Belgian Confession, the Canons of Door. Who needs them? That's what we might think. But that's a fallacy. Because remember, brothers and sisters, that this was an 11th hour conversion. The man didn't have much time. He was moments away from death. And he worked with what he knew at that moment. The man took in everything he could possibly take in with his foggy mind as he was there crucified on a cross. And he worked with all of that. And you see that very clearly from this passage because the man had been hanging on the cross there with the Lord Jesus, beside the Lord Jesus, and he had noticed that superscription on the cross, this is the king of the Jews. He had also heard the taunts of the crowd, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And he had also heard the prayer of the Lord Jesus. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He heard all of that, brothers and sisters, and as he was there on the cross, drained of energy, he took it all in and worked with it. And he picked up on two things, the kingship of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fact that the Lord Jesus had prayed to the Father in heaven. And he put those two facts together as he was on the cross, working with them, accepting those two facts that he received. And he blended them into a request of Christ. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus, you are king. Remember me. Before your father. When you come into your kingdom. The man was faithful with the little that he had received. He was faithful in the little amount of time that he had. He used it all. He put it together. And made his request. And so you cannot say that this. Conversion of the criminal on the cross and his simple confession and those beautiful words that he heard from the Lord Jesus, those words of life are for us an excuse to say that we can skimp on doctrine, that we don't have to worry about the details, that we don't need the creeds and the confessions because all it takes is a simple statement like the criminal on the cross and you are saved. 
The point is, it was an 11th hour conversion. He didn't have much time. But in that little bit of time that he had, that small window of opportunity, brothers and sisters, you see the man working with a little bit of information that he had as he was on the cross. He worked with it. He received it. He accepted it. And he made his request. And if we have been given much, much knowledge, and much time, and many opportunities, we should use them. Just as he used his few opportunities, and his little time, and the bit of information that he received. And so he addressed the Lord Jesus on the cross as the priest advocate. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me in the presence of your Father, just as you prayed on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And there you see the link in this whole narrative, brothers and sisters, because the Father immediately answered the request. You see the link. Because the Lord Jesus had prayed, Father, forgive them. And the Father began to answer that prayer of Christ, prayed by Christ as the priest advocate, with priestly compassion. The Father began to answer that prayer in the life of that one criminal by leading him to faith and repentance. Because that, brothers and sisters, is the only way that that prayer of the Lord Jesus on the cross, the first word that he spoke on the cross, would be fulfilled in the life of anybody. Salvation is by grace through faith alone in the way of repentance. And that's what the Lord Jesus had been praying about in his first word spoken on the cross. And the second word which our Savior spoke on the cross was the word that he spoke to that one criminal. Because that one criminal had come to faith and repentance in answer To that prayer of the Lord Jesus. The Father answered that prayer. And that was a tremendous testimony to the bystanders. Because they heard all of this. It was a testimony to the bystanders that Jesus is indeed the Christ. It was a testimony to the bystanders that Jesus, as the priest advocate, indeed has the ear of his Father. He is who he said he was. And the Father heard his prayer. The Father worked that faith in the heart of the one criminal. And then we read in the passage that our Lord Jesus was the one who conferred the forgiveness on that one criminal. The Lord Jesus was the one who spoke those words of our text about entrance into the kingdom, about being in paradise, about going to heaven. The Lord Jesus was the one who spoke those words in priestly compassion to that one criminal on the cross.
What a wonderful thing for that man to hear. The Lord Jesus speaking to him in priestly compassion. And that shows already that right at that time, when the Lord Jesus was on the cross, he was beginning to claim his own. He was not dying without any purpose. He was beginning to claim his own already right then and there. And the bystanders could see it. And what about us then? Here was this criminal. A criminal. A wicked person. And he was saved by Christ. He became a saved man. A criminal. We would say the worst. And therefore, brothers and sisters, as we sit here today listening to this Good Friday message, no one of us should sit here thinking, I'm not good enough for the kingdom. I've done so many terrible things. I don't measure up. How could God want me? No one of us should think that. This is Good Friday. Good Friday. And a criminal heard words of life from the Lord Jesus in priestly compassion. We're all saved by grace through faith. We're all sinners. And we may all draw comfort from these words of our Savior, spoken with priestly compassion. But the Lord Jesus did not only speak with priestly compassion, he also spoke with prophetic certainty. And that's evident from the fact that our Savior said, Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Truly, let there be no doubt about it. In the original, it's the word amen. It's the word that we use to conclude our prayers. And the children here will know they just had a catechism test a few weeks ago. The word amen means it is true and certain. In other words, the Lord Jesus was saying to this criminal on the cross, it is true and certain that you will be with me today in paradise. Let there be no doubt about it. The Lord Jesus was speaking with absolute prophetic certainty. You know from the rest of his ministry on this earth that when the Lord Jesus was speaking to God's people and wanted to emphasize something and wanted to make a solemn declaration, something intended to rivet their attention, the Lord Jesus often began by saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, Amen, Amen, I say to you, it is true and certain what I say to you. And that's how the criminal on the cross could hear the Lord Jesus speaking to him with prophetic certainty. And that was a testimony to the bystanders too. Earlier, the crowd had asked the Lord Jesus to prophesy. 
We read about it in Luke chapter 22. They blindfolded him, verse 64, Luke 22. They blindfolded him and kept asking him, prophesy, who is it that struck you? Well, now they heard the Lord Jesus prophesy on the cross. He prophesied with prophetic certainty when he said to that criminal, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It served as a testimony to the bystanders that the Lord Jesus' suffering bears fruit. The criminal turned to the Lord Jesus in true faith, and the Lord Jesus spoke words of life to the criminal with prophetic certainty. The prophetic word resounded on the cross that day, and the bystanders could hear it. And we may hear it too. That same prophetic word we may hear today. Truly, truly. Truly, there is salvation for all those who believe in the Lord Jesus because he suffered and died on the cross. The gospel promises about God's sending his son into the world to suffer and die for our sins are true and certain in Jesus Christ. And we're going to sing at the end of this worship service, hymn 71. About our Savior's words, the hope of faith shall not deceive us. The Savior's words are true and sure. Truly. And then the fact that the Lord Jesus spoke with kingly power. I formulated it that way, the Lord Jesus spoke with kingly power because... We should read our text slightly differently than we have it before us. A better translation of our text would be something like this Truly, I say to you, I should say the words of the the criminal should be translated slightly differently in verse 42. Jesus, remember me when you come in your royal power. Not when you come into your kingdom, but when you come into your royal power. The word used there in the original can mean kingdom or royal power. And here it should be translated for a variety of reasons when you come into your royal power. In other words... The criminal was hanging on the cross there and he was saying to the Lord Jesus, whom he confessed to be king, Jesus, remember me when you come in your royal power because I know that every king's royal power will one day be manifested and I pray that when your royal power will be manifested and you come in glory, that you will remember me. But notice that that criminal spoke indefinitely. He couldn't pinpoint the time when the Lord Jesus would be coming back in glory, in royal power. But he said, when you come, remember me. It was a fact for him 
but he didn't know the time. And the Lord Jesus said to him, not when I come, but today. Not then sometime, but today. What a wonderful message the man could hear. The Lord Jesus responded to him by speaking about that very day. Today you will be with me in paradise. And that emphasizes the power of the Lord Jesus. His kingly power. Because the Lord Jesus came into this world to conquer Satan, sin and death by his power. He came into this world to be victorious over Satan, sin and death. And the Lord Jesus would allow that criminal and all of God's children to share immediately in his victory over Satan, sin, and death. Today you will be with me in paradise. What a tremendous testimony for those bystanders. They'd be mocking the Lord Jesus. They'd be mocking him about his kingship. They'd have fixed to the cross that saying, Jesus, the king of the Jews. It had been mockery. But the Lord Jesus spoke with kingly power. And he made very clear that he rules life and death. He made very clear that he frees believers from the shackles of death and that he came into this world to die on the cross in order to set his people free. And the Lord Jesus was busy claiming his own right then and there. And those for whom he died, he would claim immediately today. You will be with me in paradise. We have exactly the same comfort, brothers and sisters. When we die, we go to our Savior King immediately. And we share in his victory over Satan, sin, and death immediately. That's part of his kingly power. There's no delay. There's no gap. There's immediately a triumph over death. And so you see that this account of that one criminal speaking to Christ and the Lord Jesus speaking to that one criminal is much more than just a conversion story. It's a conversion story too at a certain level. But it's much more than that. Because the conversion of that one criminal on the cross gave the Lord Jesus the occasion to speak words of life on the cross in priestly compassion, with prophetic certainty, and with kingly power. And those same words of life come to us today. They're words of life. Words of comfort. And on this Good Friday, the Christian church praises God for this good news of salvation. Amen.